0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: news is breaking of disruption in the phillies clubhouse what does this mean for the team in 2019 a trout and harbor future will not come to full so what is next to improve this club is aaron Noly going to take the step back all this and more on fancast What's up, everybody, and welcome into FanCast. I'm Coy here. Feel free to call in at 845-277-9345. Today, Isaac will not be joining us, and we will be bringing in our producer, Benson. Mm-hmm. Benson, welcome to the show. How are you today? Good. So, yeah, I'm usually uh, behind the scenes, but happy to come out and talk some Philly's baseball tonight. Oh, hold on,
0: wait a minute. minute. Y'all thought I was finished? Whoa. When I bought the tomorrow, y'all thought it was winning? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Checking on these- like Papa on and that was just as we planned sorry it. For, sorry for some of the technical difficulties tonight, but it only seems to fit as there were some technical difficulties inside the Phillies clubhouse. News broke this week of after a ninth straight loss in the end of September, Carlos Santana, a former Philly, broke a TV in the clubhouse when teammates were playing Fortnite during a game. This seems like one of the craziest stories that could have broke over, about the Phillies over this off season. but sure makes a whole lot of sense how that team spoiled down, spiraled out of control, fell out of the playoff push. Benson, what is it like being a fan of not the Phillies, but just a baseball fan in general and hearing a story like this? Well, just... From a Pirates fan perspective, like looking at the SOA situation and realizing that, hey, the Phillies were in first place in the National League East for a lot of 2018, they really melted down. The Braves, uh, I want to say mid, late August at PNC Park, and, and the Braves were fighting for that wild card spot, and the Pirates were fighting right there with them. And it was just surprising to me, like watching September as the Pirates overtook the Phillies in the standings and just the absolute free fall and the sacks that. This whole Fortnite revelation came out. is really not surprising considering the terrible meltdown they had at the end of the season, but it's just unacceptable, and someone needs to be held accountable for these these actions moving forward. It's uncertain who exactly was playing the Fortnite during the games. Could have been a player like J.P. Crawford who was out with an injury at times. Carlos said he did not want to name anyone, but it definitely riled up his competitive spirit. This is the sort of thing that, like you said, it fits with the how the team performed at the end of the year. And it's also, you hear a lot of old people get in on this new generation. They're so social media driven. But to have the upright disrespect to play a video game, Fortnite of all games, during an actual Major League game, it feels so weird to even talk about this and have this be a legitimate discussion around baseball. This puts some weird take on Gabe Kapler, who is supposed to be so in with his guys, needs everyone in, shoulder to shoulder is his motto going forward this year, yet he lets his players hang around in the clubhouse during games and playing Fortnite. It just doesn't make sense to me. It's such a weird thing to even say. It truly baffles me that this is a real conversation we're having right now. Yeah, for sure, and... Really, like the Phillies, they were in the playoff for a good majority of September. Yes, it was looking like an outside shot, but they had a chance to make the playoffs. And there were meaningful September games. And the fact that there was this type of just complete disrespect for the play that's going on in the field and just lack of, yeah, as I said, respect for the teammates and the game that's being played – and really, like when pitchers pitch, like for example, a starting pitcher, we all know they go back in the clubhouse, they shower, and if you see them after the game, like on the field or whatever, they'll be, you know, not in street clothes, but they'll be like a sweatshirt and, uh, you know, sweatpants. So that is one story. But to have players just lounging around the clubhouse, as Carlos Santana said, and then him smashing that TV, it's just it's ridiculous because. Yeah, as you said, the older generation, and I'm criticizing this new, younger generation for social media and video games. Like, as you said, it's just baffling that we're having this discussion uh, revolving a Major League Baseball team. If it's just like a college baseball team, high school baseball team, that's one thing, but like, there they shouldn't be happening at the highest level of baseball. It does make sense that Carlos is the guy who took the bat to the television. He was one of the few veteran leaders this team had last season. Another guy was Jake Arrieta. Him and Reese said they were unaware of the cause of the broken TV. However, they knew that Carlos did take a bat to it. Carlos Santana did have a very rough year last year. He was not the player the Phillies signed for three years at that $60 million rate. He was likely very disappointed with his play and took that out on foolish younger teammates, who were screwing around in the clubhouse while the game was going on. If this isn't an injury-based accident or incident that these players were playing a video game during the game, if these are guys fighting for time or even just sitting a game out and they have the disrespect to go in the dugout and pl- or in the clubhouse and play a video game, it just is it shows bad teammate, but it also on Gabe Kapler's part it shows very poor leadership that this was something his teammate his players felt they were capable of doing without any repercussions that they could go screw around during games and nothing would happen. And Kepler really has to tighten down on that. It's been said they already have new rules for this year and hopefully they do. But if you're playing for a team where you can just screw around like that and your manager isn't going to cause consequences, it's a scary thought for Phillies fans. Yeah. And it's funny that Carlos Santana was one like laying down the law and not gave Kepler And it's sort of, I believe a, a mix between Gabe Kapler being his rookie manager season, really feeling his way out and Carlos Santana's struggling season. And um, (laughs) these players just disrespecting the game and these meaningful September baseball games. And just the fact that, as you said, that Gabe Kapler allowed this, this attitude and this behavior in his clubhouse just shows something about him. Now, he is a younger guy, one of the youngest managers in baseball, uh, I believe. And, of course, it was his rookie season, and we have to give him that. But at the end of the day, Philadelphia is not a very kind uh, team, um, is sports fans, to their guys. And the fact that Gabe Kapler doing this, if there's a rough first half, uh, Coy, do you think that Gabe Kapler might be gone before the end of the season? I think the main thing would be that the Phillies, I don't think right now that they could struggle this first half of the season. Schedule is a little easier. They should cruise through April. May May might be a little more challenging. But it seems like everything is built for this team to have a good start to the year to build off of and hopefully finish with as opposed to last year where they started well and it all came spiraling down with this. I don't think Gabe Kapler is necessarily in the spot yet where if this team is Couple games under 500. Come June, he'll get the boot and we'll be on the streets. But I do think this will be something. If this team does have a disappointing year, come next offseason, Matt Clentak, John Melton will look in at this. We're not getting the results we needed. We bought all these guys. We gave you the players. We gave you all the tools. How come you're not getting this built? How come you're not getting this done? Why are we home in October? Is it because you have such a short a short control of your players where they think they can do stuff like this and whatever else could happen in 2019 where now it's a focus issue you don't have control of your guys why isn't this getting done and when the Phillies front office looks at that question the answer to that could be Gabe Kapler and maybe I don't think it's very likely but that could be when he gets fired and i think this could be a situation similar to the one we saw in St. Louis when Mike Matheny was fired, and I believe the team was either 500, they were, they were around the 500 mark. And I was just absolutely shocked that Mike Matheny got fired. Uh, and obviously, Schilt came in and turned that team around, and they were a couple games out of a playoff picture. Now, because I see Gabe Kapler being in the same boat, obviously, Kapler and Matheny, they didn't have the same track record, uh, this being Kapler's second season. And again, I just want to go back to the fact that Gabe Kaplar is 43 years old, and I mean, he's not much older than these guys. and. You know, when you have that younger coach in the clubhouse, uh, sometimes the younger coach, younger manager, uh, feels the need to be more relatable to the guys and let this type of behavior occur. Um, And, you know, it's embarrassing. It's as embarrassing to him as it is to whoever these players are. And uh, good for Carlos Santana for not calling out whoever it it was. It was not necessary to do that. But, I mean, everybody's pointing the finger at Gabe Kapler, and it's going to be a storyline throughout the season if this team struggles. Uh, like, <clears throat> like Kapler says the uh, the players could have been more engaged, too. And, like, why is he saying that now? Why didn't he give them a a speech in September or August when they needed to be engaged rather than calling them out now for not being engaged. Isn't it on him to get the players engaged, getting them ready to win a baseball game? I think that's a duty of the manager. The players go out there and they do the best that they can, but the manager's job is to get their players ready for the game, put them in the best positions possible, and it sounds like Gabe Kapler did not do that at the end of the 2018 season, and that really – I mean, arguably is a big reason why there was no October baseball yet again in Philadelphia. It's understandable on Kapler's part why he didn't lay down the law so quickly. We've seen this before in other things in daily life of a boss, new boss comes in, wants his employees to love him, brings everyone donuts to the office, stuff like this. But there's a big difference between buying the guy's food and letting him completely disrespect you, your team, your club, and the game itself when they're just in screwing around. This is something where Kappler was a young guy, not only a young manager, like you said, 43 years old. Younger younger managers are often trying to relate more to the player. They want to see, like, hey, I'm your guy. I'm not here as just your boss. I'm also here to help you. I want you to succeed, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get you there. And that often can be taken advantage of if put in the wrong situation. There was obviously guys who saw Kappler's niceness, his generosity, as a leeway point to go and just do whatever they wanted. I'm hoping these are players that are no longer in the team. This seems like the type of cancer that takes a club down, hurts them when you have this kind of attitude towards your manager and teammates. It's not something I would want to play with. So I hope these are some of the guys we've shipped off, and we don't have to hear anything about this in 2019. Yeah, and really that that balance of being relatable versus being like the boss type figure is a delicate balance that every leader in like every profession has to deal with, whether it be as a baseball manager or whether it be as like a CEO in a big company. They have to deal with. Okay, am I going to be relatable, am I going to be the likable guy, or am I going to be the guy that lays down the law? Now, there's a happy medium in there, but Gabe Kapler needs to find that happy medium rather than leaning too far to one end. Now, I hope this doesn't prompt him not to lean too far to laying down the law, but something needs to change, and I'm glad that Gabe Kapler has laid down some new uh, ground rules for the 2019 season. There's a lot of new guys in that clubhouse, McCutcheon, Segura, Ramuto, Harper. So a lot of changes in this offseason and hopefully some change of conduct uh, for the Phillies players. And just going back to the hot seat uh, thing real quick, I mean, this isn't the first uh, bad thing for Gabe Kappa this offseason, obviously with uh, the allegations that he did not report a uh, sexual misconduct or harassment. Uh when he was with the Dodgers, <clears throat> I want to say two thousand fifteen, uh that prompted some people to call for his job. And we all know the first uh home series for the Phillies last year, he was booed when he was announced. So I definitely would say Gabe Kapler is a short leash, especially at this point. And uh Phyllis fans, they're not gonna be uh too happy with Mr. Kapler if the Phillies struggle early on. Well, I personally cannot say I am not guilty of booing Gabe when he came out for that opening day last year after a awful Atlanta Braves series to start the year. But like you said, he has had a couple rough patches this offseason. As good as the offseason was for the Phillies, it was really tough on Gabe Kapler. He had the worst kind of scandal you can have besides actually committing a sexual abuse act, not reporting one, or domestic abuse, all those lingering together. It's a very bad look, a black eye on his reputation. It makes him look in a negative way that this is the man representing the Phillies. It gives the team a negative look and one that John Milton doesn't want his club to have that kind of appearance. He wants this to be a winning team, but he also wants this to be a team of high morals. One of the big things Bryce Harper talked about was this was going to be his family. Family was a big piece that drove him here. So, John Melton's not going to deal with this. We'll see how this year goes and if he will deal with him next year. But feel free to call in at 845 277 9345. We're going to head to a short break, then bring you back with all Mike Trout. Stay tuned. Tune in this Wednesday to Pinstripe Talk at 5 o'clock. We go over everything going on in the land of the New York Yankees. We discuss Aaron Hicks and a lingering back injury and what it could mean to begin the season. For the Bombers. We talk about Luis Severino being out until at least May 1st and how that affects the Yankees' rotation now and going forward. And finally, we talk about Major League Baseball and the rule changes that will affect the 2019 2020 seasons and beyond. All this and much more going on in the land of New York Yankees. All this and more on Pinstripe Talk, Wednesday, 5 o'clock. Be there, Yankee fans. So after the Phillies were signing Bryce Harper, he came in, made a big splash at his press conference saying, there was a guy getting off the books in two years, said he wanted to call Mike Trout, get him in. Angels weren't too happy about it. Baseball said they were looking at a tampering thing. Bryce doubled down, said he didn't, wouldn't say it if he didn't mean it. Phillies fans got all riled up, seemed like this was the guy. They were going to have that killer combo of Trout and Harper, and great things would come for the Phillies in 2021 and beyond, and that all spiraled out of control this morning when Mike Trapp signed a 12-year, $430 million extension. It's the largest AAV deal ever, the largest total guaranteed money ever. It was an out-of-nowhere major extension. Uh, Benson, what are your thoughts? I mean, I was absolutely shocked, and, I mean, you said it right. It was out-of-nowhere. I didn't have my phone for like 40 minutes to check it, like update 15 minutes ago this morning that uh, Mike Trout is signing a long-term extension with the Los Angeles Angels. And really when Bryce Harper came to Philadelphia and he started saying, you know,
0: I'd be crazy
1: not to call Mike Trout when that time comes, the MLB for a moment started to feel a little bit like the NBA. And just as a a, note in sports in general, the NBA is really like the reality TV show league, and that's why so many people love it with all the the players and the personalities and the social media that drives it. It's a wonderful sport to watch and enjoy uh, on and off the court. Now, baseball, there are some wonderful, talented superstars, and the story of the 2018-19 offseason was obviously Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, but really there were there was nothing – Parallel to the NBA free agency, and really nothing parallel, nothing in sports really parallels to that either. And I thought it was good for the sport when Bryce Harper was saying that he wanted to bring Mike Trout to Philadelphia. Like it brings excitement and it gets people talking about baseball. If you can bring two of the best players in the sport on one team, or even if there's speculation about it, it's good for the game. Now, obviously, Trout he'll be in LA, and whether that's good for baseball or not is really a question. Uh, I think it would have been better if we hit the free agency market and we had the offseason of Mike Trout. We all saw how exciting the offseason of Harper and Machado. When you put Trout in the open market? I wouldn't have been surprised if he got half a billion dollars. But I'm happy for him. He got his money. He earned it. He's one of the best players of all time already. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. So congrats to Mike Trout. He definitely earned uh, every single penny of that $430 million contract. Like you say, with basketball in the NBA, there's so many storylines that are appealing to the fan, not only the hardcore basketball fan, but even the casual, everyday sports guy who just wants to watch and see how things unfold. Like you said, the NBA offseason, Paul George, one of the best players in basketball, MVP candidate this year, he announced that he was staying with OKC at a party Russell Westbrook through the night free agency opened. LeBron James the second greatest player in basketball history, announced he was going to the Lakers two days after it opened. That's the biggest basketball team, the biggest, most profitable organization in the NBA, paired with the most profitable player. It was great for the sport. You've got so many things in basketball right now, so many storylines, so many little things that makes it so fun to watch. Like you said, the regular season, it's the most boring part of the NBA. The postseason and offseason is so much fun to watch. When we're in June and July and all these things are happening, teams are getting swapped around. It's completely different rosters. It's feeling like a pickup game. Who's going to be with who next year? It's almost more entertaining than the regular season itself because you get to see how everything's going to play out, and we're all looking ahead to that 16-team tournament at the end of the regular season. And it's just been a blast these past couple of years to watch. I think basketball's at, or the NBA in general is at, as high of a peak as it's ever been with how many people are tuning in, stealing attention away from other sports. It's really getting up there. I feel like baseball could have done that. I feel like this is a missed opportunity for not only Mike Trout to come to Philly, but to come out somewhere on the East Coast. It would have been so much better to get him on a team that could go to October consistently. We've only seen him in the playoffs once, three-game sweep to the Royals. So we haven't been able to see baseball's best player. Rob Manfred came out and said, We want Mike to be more appealing to the fans. We want him to promote himself more. That's not Mike's job. Mike's job is to go out and perform like he does. Getting him on a team with Bryce Harper, even if Bryce hadn't come to the Phillies, comboing them up would have been great for baseball. Even seeing Mike in baseball's most profitable team, the Yankees, would have been great. I feel like this is a swing and a miss for baseball, but a grand slam for Mike Trout. Yeah, and really, like baseball doesn't see the super team, so to speak, that we see in the NBA. And you're right with just how exciting the off season is, because you're flipping and flopping. And the same thing with the NFL to a certain extent. I mean, before the official new season, like off season begins, like half the top free agents are already signed. And like, if baseball could get to that point, or where like two superstars could team up. It would just be good for the sport. Like Mike Trout, he's stuck in Los Angeles on the West Coast. Listen, I know he's a great player, a fantastic player, one of the greatest players of all time already. But I don't see him play, and that's, that's a problem. I'd love to see him play, and I'd be able to see him play if he was on the East Coast. But the fact that he's stuck down there in L.A. on a team not called the Dodgers is a big reason why he's not a household name and really a big reason why Bryce Harper is. And Mike Trout objectively is better than Bryce Harper, but the average person would probably tell you they knew who Bryce Harper is. I don't know if they'd say the same for Mike Trout. I mean, the last two, like, Mike big free agents. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, well, Mike, like you said, Mike Trout is by far the best player. He averages over 162 games, 37 homers, 99 RBIs. 29 stolen bases, along with a 416 on-base percentage, and he has that batting average over 300. No player has ever had a higher war through age 26 season. He is already one of the top five players in baseball, I think, but he's never going to have that ring. He's never going to have the ability to show his skills and highlight himself in October baseball. Many people say Derek Jeter might not even be a Hall of Famer if he wasn't a Yankee because he got to go into October and he became this playoff legend that showed off in the biggest moments, the biggest stage, Mr. November. He always was there in the crunch time. That's something we're never going to see from Mike Trout. We're never going to see in a late ALCS Game 7 Mike walk things off because there isn't a big superstar prospect in their minor league system like there is with San Diego where they just brought in Manny they also have Fernando Tatis coming up, where he's going to be the big deal. Even in teams like the Blue Jays struggling right now, they've got Minnie Vlad and Bo Bichette. I think they're better set for the next 12 years than the Angels. They have this one guy. They're going to be the fourth-best team in their state. They're not going to be able to compete at the same level as some of these teams. And if they want to get Mike into the national spotlight, show him off, they need to do a better job not only drafting players, but bringing guys in. We saw them a couple mini moves as his starting pitching help. It's not going to be enough for this team to be over 500, get to the playoffs, and I don't know when that's going to happen over the next 12 years. Yeah, and the thing about this 12-year deal is that Mike Trout is showing his commitment to the Los Angeles Angels, and the Angels now don't have to sweat his impending free agency. Like, we're already hearing rumors two years out of his free agency. That's how good of a player Mike Trout is. And the fact that they don't have to worry about that, they can now focus on the team that they have on hand and look to really build this roster around Mike Trout because they know he's going to be an angel for life. He's going to hit free agency at 38 years old. So uh, he might be able to go somewhere, but safe to bet that Mike Trout will be an angel for life. And now it's about building a competitive ball club around him and the question becomes are we going to try and go the sign these veteran guys such as I mean the signing of Matt Harvey are they going to try to keep guys like Angelton Simmons around Justin Upton because the core that I have is an aging core and really the window to win with this club is kind of this year maybe next year after that, they're going to really have to tear down this roster and get some pieces to surround him. And they have the capital to do it. Yes, they're the little brothers to the Dodgers, but they are in the L.A. market. So it's not like they're short of cash. And they practically owe half a billion dollars to uh, Albert Pujols and um, Mike Trout combined at this point. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see how the Angels do uh some of the longevity of Mike Trout's career, and hopefully he doesn't go down as the best player to never be, like, shine on that October stage to be remembered. Hopefully he doesn't turn out to be like the Dan Marino of football where we never got to see him in that final. to so like, Charles Barkley in basketball. Now, Mike Trout is better than those players for sure, but just uh, examples to help you wrap your mind around the fact that Mike Trout is one of the greatest of all time already is 26 years old. It feels like he's been around forever, but he still has like a decade and a half left of his career. And regardless of what the Angels do, I'm excited to see Mike Trout play for uh, the rest of his career because he is one heck of a talent. One player that not only can you compare Mike's skill set to, but also what his legacy could be is the kid, Ken Griffey Jr. Now, Ken was a first ballot Hall of Famer the first, first overall pick to ever make it to the Hall of Fame. But he also goes down as one of those guys that never got a ring. And I personally think Ken Griffey Jr. is the most talented player ever to play this game, but we never got to establish that legacy like you have in the NFL with guys like Brady, in the NBA with guys like Jordan, guys who got to the playoffs every year and brought home championships and solidified themselves as the GOAT. And when you have Brady and Jordan, in these sports you don't really have that for baseball. We often go back to the babe Ruth as he's the go he's a guy that I doubt he would hit two hundred now in today's baseball. We need someone like Mike Trapp. Mike Trapp has that talent where he could be that guy. And it's just a shame now that we I personally believe he will not win a championship in LA. And it just seems like I can understand why he would want to stay in LA, do the team that drafted him well, that he said he loved it there. He didn't exactly display that, I thought, personally, coming out about Philadelphia, talking to Bryce. It sort of seems like he was recruiting Bryce to Philly, saying, I'll be there in two years. Now he got this deal from the Angels. Might have been a little bit of reverse psychology. He wanted Bryce to go to the Phillies, team that had the most money. Bryce would get this huge contract, and then Mike would get $100 million more. Yeah, and you're right with the fact that baseball really doesn't have that one face of the sport and really the other three sports do I mean football you could argue that Tom Brady is still the face of the game I mean with the absolute legend that he is and you look at baseball and we have Babe Ruth to point to who played you know earlier last century I mean, even hockey, you've got guys like Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid that you can point to. They have a face of the sport. I mean, the NBA, LeBron James, the face of the sport. Like, baseball, believe me, it's at a point right now where it's as talented as it's ever been, but that talent isn't recognizable in the homes of the average person anymore. There's not one guy, when you say baseball, who comes to your mind. When you say hockey... I mean, Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, that comes to mind. When you say football, you know, Tom Brady comes to mind. Basketball, of course, LeBron James, Kevin Durant come to mind. But really in baseball, there's a litany of superstars, and that's great, but there needs to be somebody that emerges as that face of baseball. I'd argue it'd be Bryce Harper at this point, and it's been that for a little while right now. But there's still nobody that you can point to for sure and say that is baseball. And if Mike Trout would have went to the East Coast, I believe you could have said Mike Trout is baseball. But unfortunately, we won't be seeing that uh anytime in Mike Trout's career. Are right, we going to head to a break here on FanCast but only come back we're going to be uh, breaking down Aaron Nola's struggles in spring training and if he will take a step back in 2019.
0: Hello. It's Tim from the Amazing Mets Podcast, where every Thursday night, we cover everything you need to know about the New York Mets. On this week's episode, at 7 o'clock to 7.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we will be interviewing Mets prospect Blake Taylor. We will also be going over who the Mets should contract extend. Should we extend the National League Cy Young of 2018, Jacob DeGrom? Should we extend young flamethrower Noah Syndergaard? Should we extend Brendan Nimmo or Michael Conforto? I guess you'll have to find out on the Amazing Mets podcast coming this Thursday at 7 o'clock at 745. Please call in and then we'll answer any questions you have. Thank you and hope to see you there on the Amazing Mets podcast.
1: Fancast, feel free to call in at 845 277 9345. We have one of the best pitchers in baseball to talk about right now, Aaron Nola, coming off a career year, emerging breakout season when he went 17 6, 237 ERA, 224 strikeouts over 212 innings pitched, a whip below one, finished third in Cy Young voting, took that step Phillies fans all wanted him to take, became the emerging ace of the team. He is one of the top three NL pitchers in baseball all find themselves in the NL East, but he yeah, has struggled a bit this spring training. Just under nine innings pitched, 11 strikeouts, an ERA over five, WHIP of 150. Benson, do you take this spring training too seriously for players in general? Do you consider Stars having a rough spring training as a warning sign, or do you think once the regular season comes through, we'll see vintage Nola? As a whole, you can't take spring training Records, results, any of that seriously? And for one more year, you can't take what you see, like with September call up, seriously. I mean, this is just a small sample size, and really, you don't know the scenarios that these guys are in. They could be facing minor league guys. They could be facing the gauntlet of the lineup, and I don't think you can take the results too seriously. We see the uh, the Red Sox. I mean, seven and fourteen in spring training play. The Marlins just ran off eight in a row, sitting at fourteen and ten. You can't take this stuff too seriously. We know how most of this is going to play out of the regular season. The Marlins are not going to be a good team. The Red Sox are going to be an excellent team. Regarding to Aaron Nola, though, <clears throat> there is uh, just a little pause for me, a little bit of concern for me. Uh, Aaron Nola's 2018 season reminds me a lot of Garrett Cole's 2015 season with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Very similar. I mean, both guys had excellent seasons. I mean, good seasons the season prior, but then took that next step forward. Garrett Cole won 18 games in 15. Uh, Noah won 17 last season. Both Cy Young candidates. It's gonna be, and we all know Garrett Cole did following the rest of his Pirates career before he got traded to the Houston Astros. Uh, I could see that happening to Aaron Noah. I mean, the spotlight's on him. He's expected to be the ace of this staff. And as a whole, if Aaron Noah takes a step fo- back – and Jay Carrieta doesn't take another take that step forward, and Nick Pivetta stays the same, uh, this rotation could be in a little bit of trouble. A lot of pressure is on Aaron Nolan to perform this year. And uh, while spring training has been rough for him, a 5.19 ERA so far, you take it with a grain of salt, but it's definitely a bit of a cause for concern as the league is going to be making an adjustment to him after his first real breakout season. Why definitely... As an unbiased spectator of Nola, don't think he'll have a season as great as he did in 2018. That 237 ERA, Nola's fourth full season, it's better than anything Max Scherzer, a three time Cy Young winner, has ever posted. His lowest being 251. So you don't need to have that super low ERA to be dominant. I think Nola's will be a little bit higher this year. But I think the difference that could be between Nola and guys like Scherzer, Scherzer's that war workhorse that goes out, gives you a bunch of complete games. And we didn't really see that from Noah last season. Maximizing at eight innings pitched, not no complete games. We haven't seen a complete game from a Philly in quite some time. So I definitely think we need to see more Noah's arm strength build where he can give you those extra innings and be able to provide for the team to shut down games, get them wins like he did in 2018. was by far the MVP of that team. There was games where they would lose four in a row, It'd be Day. He'd get the win. They'd lose four more. He'd come through again. He was spectacular last year. I don't think it's going to be a major step back where now we're like, where is this team? They don't have an ace. Noah's just a two. Arietta's old. Veta's still a four guy. I think he will remain an ace in the face of baseball, top ten pitcher. I don't think he'll be as dominant. So, if the question is, will he take a step back, I think it'll be a minor one, not one for concern. But I also agree with you that strength training can't be taken too seriously. Things will really come through mid-May, June. That's when guys start getting their full head of steam. I don't even pay attention to April too much. May, we saw Jake Arietta post an ERA under 1, 0.90, and look how he finished out. Guys get rolling. Batters get used to live pitching, seeing guys. I think come June we'll see a very similar NOLA, and this will all be forgotten. I mean, we can probably both agree that Noah's going to take a step back to some extent. He's not going to improve. I mean, he could, but I don't think he's going to improve in that 2.37 ERA. Now, the question for the Phillies is how big of a step back is he going to take, and that's really – it could define their season because they have the offense to compete with anybody in the league. They're going to have the staff. They're going to have the bullpen to let their offense win, win them games. Now, top of the rotation, Aaron Nola. He's, a, he's an ace. I mean, there's no doubting that at this point. Uh, Just to, how does the league hit back in 2019? And it's going to be an interesting first half. It's its one of the storylines that will be interesting to pay attention to. How does Aaron Nola take his dominant 2018 into this next season? It's, it's really hard to get much better than what he did in 2018. And if it wasn't for Jacob DeGrom, this guy wins to Cy Young. Um, so, whether Ernola is that Cy Young type pitcher in 2019, who knows? But is he poised to do it? Yes, but he's going to take a step back, and it's just a question of how far that step is going to be. It's very true. I believe that he will take a step back. We'll see a little regression, not enough to cause concern. I don't think spring training is be taken too seriously. We're also seeing Bryce struggle a little bit. He did get a hard hit ground ball up the middle. In a minor league game for his first hit of spring training, joked around asking for that souvenir. But all will be fine. The roster will work out. This will be a good 2019. I want to take us back to the state of baseball right now. We just saw Mike Trapp sign his record-breaking deal. All this, and tomorrow morning when fans tune in, the networks like ESPN, Fox Sports, all they're going to hear about is guys like LeBron on the Lakers. They're going to hear about NFL offseason season discussion. What does baseball have to do to get into that spotlight where they are the head of the sports world, where they are the sole focus, similar to how basketball and football sometimes are now? Well, they need a star to really emerge. And a potential guy that that really could be, I believe, could be Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. They had that whole country behind him, similar to the the Toronto Raptors. Um, and when guys got to DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry emerged. Vlad Jr. could be the face, but it's still a little bit tough to see. And I mean, uh, excellent season from Bryce Harper would also be good, but you know, it, it's really it's tough to say because Paul was really at its peak and. It's tough for me to say this, but the steroid era as a whole, true ratings, it sold tickets, jerseys were sold to guys like Bonds, Maguire, Sosa. I mean, it took away the integrity of the game, and it was probably unbelievably frustrating for pitchers. But you can't deny that it was good for the economy. I mean, an unintended consequence, but certainly it was kind of good for the sport. If you're taking out the integrity piece, like the the guys that we have now. I mean, they're striking out, they're walking, and they're hitting home runs. So the the true outcomes of this game, and I think they're going to need to utilize that social media aspects. I mean, that's how sports such as the NBA and the NFL, you know, took off. Clearly, we're ahead of the NHL. The NHL is a second rate league, in my opinion, and you have this. You have the two, top two, NFL and the uh, NBA, and baseball is just slightly below that. It's going to be tough to have them climb to that next pedestal. Uh, are they capable of doing it? Yes, but they're going to need truly emerge. And, I mean, my two candidates for that would be three, actually. Uh, Bryce Harper having I mean, just a monster 2019 and going forward. Aaron Judge uh, doing the same, and then seeing Vlad Jr., that, that would be special see him be the superstar we're all projecting him to be. Well, you're 100% right with the steroid era. Baseball writers now like to look back, ride their high horse, saying these guys shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. However, these baseball writers are the same ones that voted Barry Bonds to be an MVP seven times. Baseball back then was electrifying. It was fun to watch. Watching a player hit 73 home runs, that'd be insane. You remember back when John Carlos Staten hit 59 and people were losing it. Imagine a player now hitting that much more. It'd be incredible. It would be insane to watch balls flying, guys throwing even harder than they do now, all this electricity behind the game. The steroids, like you said, it wasn't correct. It was broke the integrity of the game, but it would be so much fun to watch. Barry Bonds, he may never get in the Hall of Fame. Hopefully he does. He deserves it. He brought baseball what might be its highest point ever, he was the face of the game. He brought this game in a ton of money, and now these baseball writers will do him dirty by leaving him out. But like you said, this team, this sport does need a star to emerge. My favorite player to watch is someone like Javier Baez. I think he's electrifying. But another thing that it might need is a little bit of drama. We see guys like Antonio Brown causing problems, Facebook, getting traded, all this, and causes things to talk about. It gets into the news, gets into the media outlets, and it gets people riled up thinking about this. LeBron seems to cause drama every time he stops for the bathroom break. Everything in these other sports, they have things that are quick and things you want to talk about. And if we could get something like that in baseball with one of these stars, it would be great for the game. We need some more electrifying personalities, too, and we need to stop complaining about the bat flip. I mean, when guys hit these big home runs, especially in playoff games or big home runs in the regular season, they can flip their bats. It's unbelievably hard to hit home runs, and the best guys hit at a maximum. I mean, you said Giancarlo Stan in 59. Like, these guys don't hit that many home runs in retrospect to the amount of A-Bs that they get in the season. And you're right with the drama, too. I mean, you but you need to have those electrifying personalities. The face of baseball, like the best player in the game, Mike Trout, is a humble guy. Is that bad? No. But is it necessarily good for the brand, good for the game? And the fact that he's out on the West Coast, it's it's not good for the game. Now, last year, I believe baseball was probably at its high point during the Home Run Derby when you had Bryce Harper dressed up in his United States get-up and he was mashing home runs in Washington, D.C., that really gave me hope for this sport. If we can have events like the Home Run Derby, like last year, all the superstar home run hitters, I think that would be great for the sport. But it's it's going to be a question, and it's a question that Rob Manfred's trying to answer with these rule changes. Now, I think these rule changes are disgraceful, to be honest, and that's uh, we have time for that on a different episode. But Manfred and the, the Players Association need to really get their act together because people are saying this is a dying sport, and it's really not. I mean, baseball's economy is doing the best it's ever been doing, and that might be a reason why people are afraid to to tinker with anything, but I think really just electrifying personalities, calming down on the the bat flips and this old-school baseball mentality, and realizing there needs to be a little bit of drama like there is in the NBA and the NFL. Well, looking back to last year's postseason, Baseball dropped a little trailer, hyping people up. And one of the key phrases from Ken Griffey Jr. was, let the kids play. I think we need to see more personality, see more electricity, and hopefully see all that in 2019. I think it would be a great year for baseball, this new $100 million prize for the Home Run Derby. If we could see Bryce Harper, Aaron Judge, John Carlos Stanton, all on one field crushing balls at the absolute peak of the game, no other sport going on, all eyes on baseball, would be great for the game, great for the economy. That's all we have time for tonight. Make sure to tune back in next Tuesday. Let's all hope for a great Phillies week as we near opening day. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Join us next week. Go Phills.
0: Oh, hold on, wait a minute. minute. Y'all thought I was
1: finished. Whoa. When I bought the ass tomorrow, y'all thought it was winning. Yeah. Chessing on these. I'm like Papa on his finish. Double M, yeah, that's my zero I'll say this captain, I'm lieutenant. FanCast is produced by Benson Fector. FanCast is a production of the Baseball Podcast Network. Follow FanCast on Instagram at fancastbpn. And follow our hosts on Instagram, Koi, at Koi's Dimal, that's Z-D-I-M-A-L. And Isaac, at phillies.focus, with a P-H. For more FanCast content, be sure to head over to our website at baseballpodcastnet.com. Follow the Baseball Podcast Network on all social media platforms. Instagram, at Baseball Podcast Net. Twitter, at Baseball Podcast One. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-1. YouTube, at Baseball Podcast Network. And SoundCloud, at Baseball Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in to FanCast. We'll see you next time.